All right, well, we're continuing our series uh, in uh, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do if, uh, if it were him? How, if, what if we lived like Jesus? And today we're looking at spiritual habits, spiritual habits. Now, uh, later on in February, we're going to be going through the book of Galatians. So I want to encourage you to begin to read through the book of Galatians. Uh, that will help you be aware of that book, and we'll be going through that uh, verse by verse. But uh, the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing some very, very practical messages. And today, we're going to look at uh, the, the issue of spiritual habits. We, we all have habits. Uh, some of us have good habits. Some of us have bad habits. But there, everyone has habits. And today, I want us to look, as we look at the spiritual habits of Jesus, what they are and, and how we can do them. This is going to be very practical. And as we think about Lent, which is coming up here in a few weeks, I'm giving you some a head start. You know what, Lent, we also often talk about what we're going to give up, <clears throat> which I think is great. But what is the new habit? What is the new discipline you're going to put in its place? Where are you going to put that? And, and what are you going to do? And, and this is a great opportunity for you to begin to think about these are or this is a spiritual habit. I'm going to, the truth be told, <clears throat> a lot of people come to church and they think, um, man, I'm not really growing. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm really growing. This, this church must not be, you know, this church must not be it. That pastor, he, yeah, he's not doing nothing for me. I'm not any more spiritually mature. I've been coming here for weeks, tell you, and I'm no better. And um, can I tell you what that is like? That's the same deal as you go out and buy a workout video. Yeah, I've been watching that workout video for weeks, and I'm not, any, I'm not in any better shape. I watch it and watch I watch it every day, and I'm still just like I was. Matter of fact, I gained a couple pounds because I ate some Twinkies while I watched it last time. <laughs> and we'd look at it and go, what? Are you a knucklehead? What is wrong with you? Hey, if you're not putting spiritual practices and spiritual habits into play, just listening. That's great knowledge, just like the workout video. You need to know what you need to do, but that's not making you do it. Spiritual transformation doesn't come because you listen or watch somebody else work out because you watch somebody tell you what to do, okay? It's actually doing it, all right? Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, working it out, living it out, fleshing it out. And so I want us to talk about doing that today. Now, I want to give you a couple of good books. Matter of fact, I want to give you four great books that I think would really help. So if you're interested in this topic and you want to go deeper, these are excellent materials for you. First one is Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, now by Donald Whitley. And Donald Whitley has multiple books on this topic, and I highly, highly recommend them. I think they're excellent. Um, the Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. We're actually teaching this class. So if you want to go out and sign up for this, you can take this class, Spiritual Disciplines. If you say, I'm really ready to take that next step, I want to encourage you to do that. You can take that class as long as we have. We also have a, a class on how to manage uh, your finances. These are classes that we want you to have that you can actually take. Uh, next one, Celebration of Dis- Discipline by Richard Foster. Now, I know that uh, the meditation part out there has gotten some bad press. Don't freak out on it. Just skip that chapter if you want to, okay? Uh, but these were interviews. These, these, this is historical documentation that he did with early patristic fathers. And so uh, it's kind of a classic. 
Uh, but if, if you're bothered by that, just skip this one. I got, that's why I got three more up here for you. And Disciplines of a Godly Man by Kent and Barbara Hughes. This is going to be different than what I'm talking about, but they're going to be very specific, very practical disciplines. And they have, they actually, uh, Hughes and his wife, Barbara, have uh, spiritual disciplines of a godly man, spiritual disciplines of a godly woman, spiritual disciplines of a young man, spiritual disciplines of a young woman. And, and all of us want, think we're young, so we would probably just go pick that one up. And But anyway, there there are these books you can get, and they're very, very helpful. I encourage you to consider that, all right? Now, uh, in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Have nothing to do with these old myths. Now, Paul is speaking to Timothy. Paul knows this letter. This letter is going to be passed around to the church. It's given to Timothy as well. And uh, he's telling him, look, I know there's a lot of stuff that people are going to say, a lot of things that people are going to do. They're going to take old stories. They're going to take the gospel, and they're going to malign it. They're going to add to it. They're going to try to change it. But the truth be told, hey, I want you to study right here. I'm giving you the truth. And then what does he say? I I want you to train yourself in godliness. Today, that's what we're going to do. I want to give you some tools that have been around forever. Matter of fact, Jesus used them. They're They're all spiritual tools that Jesus used called spiritual habits, spiritual disciplines. Matter of fact, if you go back and you read through the Gospels, this is what you'll say. Jesus will say, and when you pray, he's taking it for granted. He's assuming that his followers are going to pray. When you give, Jesus says, when you give, it's a practice, it's a habit, it's a discipline. When, uh, when you pray, when you, give, when you fast, Jesus will say that, when you fast, so we see that Jesus affirms those, and I'm going to give you every one of them. I'm going to give you one. This is a gospel example by Jesus, and then there's another New Testament. If you want to go further, further and read those New Testament examples, you can. I'm going to give you the one by Jesus, okay? That probably should be enough, but I got more for you if you want to take it a little deeper, okay? And so hopefully that'll be helpful because the truth of there's a guy named Charles Duhigg who wrote a book about habits, and the, the, the deal is good habits are bad habits. We always have a cue that triggers them, you know, whether it's binge eating or just snacking or smoking or whatever it is that we do, vegging out before a TV, um, social media, whatever it is that we, we find ourselves that's a habit. It, and then it becomes a routine. It's kind of that trigger happens. Oh, I feel like I want to see. That it's kind of meets my need to, to feel connected. Or I want something in my body because I feel like I'm missing something. And there's that cue. And then we do it. And then it becomes a habit. And then it's a reward. I, hey, it tastes good. And People said hi, and people said they like my thing, and we start doing it, and then all of a sudden it's a habit, and that's okay as long as it's a good habit, as long as it doesn't interfere with the important things for life. So today we're going to look at how we can replace those habits, and part of it, part of these are a diagnostic to see if it truly is a bad habit or if it's an addiction, quite frankly, okay? All of us deal with addictions. I'll go ahead and do a confession for you right here. I'm going to confess my former addiction. I, when I was younger... I was addicted to snuff, okay? If you don't know what that is, it means you're too young, and I don't want you to know what it is, okay? But I started when I was about 13, and I always thought, I can quit this anytime I want to. I got this. I matter of fact, I didn't even like it when I started. I thought it was nasty. And then I look up, and I'm like 16, 17, and I'm addicted. I can't go a day. I can't go a few hours. I'm always putting this stuff in my mouth, and I can't quit. I'm addicted. And uh, I remember just kind of going through this process. And finally, 
you know, I, I did some things. First of all, I had to separate myself from some people who did, some of my friends that did it because when I got around them, I'd smell it. I'd want it. I had to get rid of all of it in my house. I had to tell my parents. I had to tell my friends, hey, you're going to help me be accountable. I began to pray, and I had to put obstacles between me and snuff. And one of the things that really helped me, by the way, too, this isn't in the Bible, uh, one of the things that really helped me was my dad said, I want you to look at all the men who have been doing this about 30 or 40 years, and I want you to notice their teeth. And I did that, and that helped me. <laughs> some of them didn't have teeth. And it really it kind of motivated me. It kind of shocked me. But I had to put some other habits. I started <laughs> chewing bubble gum. That's probably why I had cavities. But I started chewing all this bubble gum to try to deal with it. And it helped. And it helped me. And I kind of went through that process. We all have bad habits. Some of us have addictions. And we can replace those bad habits with a good habit, a spiritual habit, because it all is ultimately a longing as to what I wish I had. There's something that I want inside of me. Now, I've got a friend of mine who goes to our church here who uh, I'm going to ask to come up here. Ne- next week, there's a big thing happening on Sunday. Anybody know what it is? Super Bowl. The men all answered it. Super Bowl. Uh, Super Bowl, most watched event in um, in all of the, the, really, of all the year is the Super Bowl. People don't even care about football do that. And this is John Lott, who's been a former NFL uh, player and coach, and I've asked him to come on up and share with us. He was with the, uh, matter of fact, he was with the Arizona Cardinals when they went to the Super Bowl back in 2009. And uh, John, I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions since we're talking about disciplines and habits. Um, first of all, why don't you do this? Why don't you kind of walk us through your routine when you're during the season as a coach, as you did strength and conditioning? Tell me, Kind of what was that process that you, that you went through? And uh, I think that would be good for us to know, what, what did you personally do? Well, um, being the strength and conditioning coach, I'm kind of responsible for injuries and things of that nature. And if a guy comes a little heavy, i got to put him down a little bit. If he's, if he's not fast, maybe try to get him a little faster. Uh, my schedule during the season, during the season in the NFL, strength coach, uh, coaches in general, players really, you know, we pretty much go about six and a half straight months, seven days a week. We don't go to church. We have chapel service that comes to us. Um, so I'll go through a week. Like say, Sunday we play a game. It doesn't matter for East Coast, West Coast. We're going to travel, get back on the plane, fly back, uh, get home at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I wake up. I'm generally at work around 6, 6.30 in the morning. So I don't really see my family until Monday night. Uh, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll come in and we'll lift and we'll run. We'll watch tape. We go to O&D, which is offense and defensive meetings. We'll go over that game that we just played, kind of put the dog to rest, and then move forward. Uh, Tuesday we come back. It's our day off in the NFL. Uh, it's kind of like a, a reprieve for everybody, but it's really not a day off. I mean, we have training rooms open, weight rooms open, film rooms open. Everyone's coming in, but we can't make them through the NFL PA, which is the Player Association. And then Wednesday we come back, and uh, – We'll start our morning. I usually get there around 5 o'clock in the morning, uh, right in their workouts, and uh, we have our team meeting that start at 8, and then we go from team meeting to O&D, to eat, to practice, back to lifting, back to O&D, and then they're gone at about 6. We'll repeat this Thursdays and fr- uh, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and pretty much Fridays. Fridays is just a little earlier. Saturday we come in, and uh, – we kind of watch through tape what we were doing on uh, the day before, which is a Friday, which is a pretty critical day because it's a red zone day. And, uh, and then we, uh, if we're traveling, then it's a cool thing. We don't have to go through TSA. They kind of come to us. 
And so we get to do that in our own little comfort of our place and get on the buses, go to the plane and fly, and we repeat the same thing uh, every week. It's kind of so tell groundhog. Me, tell, me, uh, tell me about discipline. What's the, how, how much discipline make for an NFL player? Because a lot of these guys are outstanding athletes that come in, but yet we see some guys that look like they're going to be an outstanding t- talent, and in three or four years they're hurt or they're out, as opposed to, like, I know you coached Larry Fitzgerald who's one of the best receivers in the NFL, really, in history. Um, tell me what the difference between a Larry Fitzgerald and someone who's just talented and, and comes by and comes in and tries to make it on the talent. What, what dis- disciplines do you see or what dif- what's the difference in their habits? Well, that's a good question because, you know, I, I go back to the stage of elementary school. and You're going to school and Johnny runs real fast, okay? He's, he's unreal. He, he's, he's incredible. He seems that everything comes really easy to him. He goes to junior high, same kind of results. High school, but after high school now, you got guys coming from different colleges coming to recruit. Then he goes to college. Well, he's really never had to work hard because he's tall or he's fast or he's strong and he's big. And then they go, they come to us. We draft him in the third round, fourth round, whatever it may be, first round. And all of a sudden now for the very first time in his life, he's in the same room with every Johnny all throughout the United States. And nobody's ever had to work to get there in their point because God's given them this gift. Well, there's two different types of people in this world. There's congenital and there's acquired. Congenital, we all know, is he's a, he's a white-collar guy. Just things come very easy to him. Then you have a congenital or a, uh, acquired. Those are your blue-collar guys. That's pretty much what I was. Okay, I was told many times I couldn't do it, and I never listened to that because I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed anyway. But... Uh, those are the ones that just bust their tails. But every once in a while, you meet a Carl Lewis, a Clyde Drexler, Vinny Testaverde, Curtis Martin, Kurt Warner, or even a Larry Fitzgerald. And those are your acqu- uh, congenital acquired freaks. Those are the guys that work their tail off. Okay? It's like Carl Lewis used to say, don't let it be something I did not do to cause me to lose. I'll say it again. Don't let it be something I did not do to cause me to lose. And what that means is if that's film study, if that's eating and it's sleeping and it's doing the right things, be at the right time, be at the right places, and that's the difference between the pros. When you get in the pros, the cream rises to a top, where a buddy of mine used to say. And what it is is Larry comes in just like everyone else does. You know, one-third of all first-round draft picks are cut within three years. A lot of people don't realize that. Because the light has to turn on, as Tom Landry would say. And the thing difference between, say, Larry and another receiver is they both have the same ability, but someone has a little more want than the other. And so Larry Fitzgerald will go hire him a nutritionist. He'll go hire him a cook, okay? He was in bed every night on those Wednesdays and Thursdays and Friday nights at 9, 9.30, no later. He's going to get his sleep. It's not going to be something he didn't do to cause him to fail. Mother, other circumstances will come about that. But that's the difference between the good and the bad. I say bad, the normal, you know, because it's not if but when. Someone's going to touch you on your shoulder and say, you, you go to the back. It's time for your day to go away. But Larry's still rolling. He's 12, 13 years strong. And it's all because of what he does from Monday to Saturday. It's what I tell my players all the time. It doesn't matter between what you do on Sunday. It's, it's what you do on Monday to Saturday that takes you to Sunday. But that's the difference between a lot of players and a lot of great athletes I've been around, like the Kurt Warners who's there every morning at 530 because he's going to watch tape by himself before he meets with the receivers after practice because he wants to know what he's looking for and what he needs from them. 
Thank you, John. Booyah. So let's look at the disciplines. If discipline makes that much difference in athletics, and you know, and Paul even talks about that. He talks about the profit bodily um, from working out. What difference does it make for spiritual disciplines and spiritual habits? You know, and they're like tools. You know, if you work with tools, if you're a carpenter or you're, you do repairs or anything of that nature, there are a couple tools that you're going to use every day. Maybe you'll use a hammer or a wrench or a tape measure if you're a carpenter just about every day. But there are other tools maybe you don't use every day, maybe a crescent wrench. But sometimes there are certain, th- certain reasons you need to do that. And that's the way spiritual disciplines are. As we look at these first few, first of all, I put them in my order. Just, you know, you're not going to get this in the book. I, this is the order that, that they flow for me. And so hopefully you can glean a little bit. But if you go in a different order, that's, that's not a problem. But as we look at these disciplines, uh, I want you to think about them. And like I said, the first four, they're really, we all should be doing them every day. And I want to give you just a kind of a bonus discipline. This isn't really a spiritual discipline listed in Scripture. But if you were only going to do one thing today, if you walked away from today and said, I'm, I just want to do one thing, I want to start immediately. And if I do it daily, it'll make a difference. I would say something called journaling. Now, we had journals the last service. I think we just have a few left. A lot of people picked them up. But you can get a notebook from Target if you want to. It doesn't matter. But if you would begin to write your prayers, write out what you're saying, write out what you're asking from God, write out what, as you read Scripture, write out what you gleaned, what you feel like God is saying. If you start to do that, if you start to write out, this is what I'm aware of my bad habits, that will take you further than any other one thing you could do immediately from a practical standpoint. Uh, because as we're going to talk about, you know, awareness is a problem. And number two, taking, taking steps of action. And this is something you can do. A lot of times people struggle with praying, but if you write it out, it seems to flow a little more easily. And so that's just a challenge, of just a simple thing that you can do to employ that I think will make, give you great benefit and great help and assistance as you go through this process. All right, well, let's look at spiritual habits that Jesus talked about. And the first one I want to talk about is probably the one that's most overlooked in our culture, but in my opinion, is one of the most necessary uh, disciplines that, and habits that you can glean. And it's called solitude. A, a lot of us, we just kind of go, what? Solitude? Why do you want to be by yourself? You know, we, we get that. I remember talking to a friend of mine and said, you know, um, even when I'm home, uh, I, I, anytime I'm at home and I'm alone, he said, I always have the TV on because I always want noise. That's not a good sign, Okay. That we're afraid of silence. The truth be told, a lot of us struggle with prayer and we struggle with study because we never get silent. We never get still before God. Even Jesus, who's the Son of God, who's in the Trinity uh, because he was fully God and he was fully man, even Jesus, we see examples of him practicing solitude. In Matthew chapter 14, beginning with the 23rd verse, after he, Jesus, had dismissed the crowds. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. He got still. He got alone before God. Is there a time in your day where you get still and you block everything else out and you get alone before God? I'm I know most of us do a good job praying, but a lot of times it's at lunch or it's flying down the road, or God help me with this. But do you, for the express purpose of being alone and still before God, do you have a time that you do that? I would thoroughly encourage you to do this 
daily. We see examples in the New Testament. We see in Galatians chapter 1, uh, Paul did this. After he had accepted Christ, he spent an extended amount of time alone to allow God to kind of work through him and speak to him. And when we do this, it really enhances and it really provides for our prayer and meditation time, a time to pray and meditate. Again, sometimes the problem is not that we don't try to pray, is that we don't get still and we don't get quiet before God. Prayer and meditation, this is one of those things Jesus said, when you pray. We see in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, we see the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. And the truth of it is, you can quote any prayer. You can pray any scripture. You could take the scripture, you could take the Sermon on the Mount and just begin to pray that through your life. Matthew's five, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Start, or even starting with 4 if you wanted to. And begin to make that your prayer. Have a time of, of silence and then begin to pray. Uh, First Thessalonians tells us to pray without ceasing. We see that discipline, that habit of prayer. The third one then leads us to study, the discipline of study or the habit of study. Uh, Jesus talks about it in Luke chapter 2. He said, after three days, they found him in the temple, stirring, sitting among teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. He's studying. He's learning. He's, gro- he's gleaning information. He's gleaning knowledge. I would tell you, when we get still, we ask God to speak to us, and then we study, that's when it kind of naturally folds into what I call worship, or what we call worship, where we give praise, we give glory to God as we begin to let Him uh, invade our heart, invade our spirit. And so, solitude, prayer, study. Paul says, study to show yourselves approved, the workmen that need not be ashamed, that rightly divide the word of truth. And to worship. Matthew 4.10, the Bible says, um, Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, as he's speaking here, he has been tempted by Satan. Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve, and and him shall you serve. Only, that's another translation. Uh, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So Jesus found a time to be alone. Jesus found a time to pray, to study, and to worship. Worship by, maybe sometimes you just sing a hymn. Maybe sometimes you just take a moment and you list out the things you're thankful for. You list, about, you list out what God has been to you and who He is, of His magnificence, of His mercy, of His love, and make that your time of worship. And when we worship, it naturally feeds into giving and sacrifice. You see, we don't like to give if we haven't worshipped. When there's no worship in our life, there's usually very little giving in our life because we start to see as we worship Christ, all that He has given, all that He's done, then our response should be, God, my life is yours. Whatever you need, whatever you want, take my life, it's yours. And as Matthew says in chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart. We talked about this last week, that really giving is the antidote for greed in our hearts. When greed consumes us, we don't want to give. We, th- we start to think of, it's mine and I'm not going to share. We, we deal with that two-year-old two mentality that's, in the, that's really in the recesses of all of our hearts and our minds. And from there we go to confession. 
Confession, just confessing, giving our sin a name, confessing what habit or addiction or problem we're dealing with and saying it. Most of us don't want to do that because that makes us authentic. That makes us aware when we give it a name and we say, this is what I'm struggling with. If, uh, if it is, again, whether it's alcohol or pornography or just I'm, uh, I'm overspending, I, I just have this need to go spend when I have, when I have it for a little free time, it makes me feel better. <clears throat> because, and one of the ways we can find out if these are addictions by, hey, taking a week and say you're not going to do it anymore. I'm going to freeze your credit cards. Does that wig you out? If, if your husband or wife said, for two days, I'm going to freeze your credit card. What, what about, but what if an emergency happens? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, okay, well, I'll, I'll give you mine, but you can't use it. Or I'll give you something else. I'll give you cash. But we, we, we so become addicted, we don't even recognize it and realize it. And that's why sometimes these, these, the ones that we're talking about now will really be, oper- they can operate as a diagnostic tool as well. Confession, submission, it goes right at the heart of our pride to submit. We see right here in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus said, I don't want to die. I don't want to suffer. But, Lord, I submit to you. That's a hard one for us often, isn't it? To submit, to say, I'm going to submit to you, God. I'm going to submit to the authorities that you put in my life, whether that's my boss, whether that's the police officer, whatever. That, that discipline of submission, because, again, we're all still like the two-year-old. We all want to go, no, I do it myself, myself. I control me. That's our heart. And submission says, okay, I let go. I let go of me. In God, I recognize you. Service. When we have a submissive heart, then service becomes much more easy. Mark chapter, I love this, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even Jesus, the Son of Man, came not to be served, but what? To serve and to what? Give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. He came to give, not to take. We ought to learn a great lesson right there. And that leads us to this last one. And this is the one we all don't like. We don't like any of them, the real truth be told. But the whole fasting abstinence, which I believe is the best diagnostic tool you can use to find if something is an addiction or a bad habit or a habit you can't seem to stop. And I say addiction told you about my addiction to snuff. It was an addiction because I recognized I couldn't go two weeks without it. What is it that you can't go two weeks without? What about social media? What if you had to let that go for two weeks? I could. Really? Why don't you do it? What if it was uh, sugar or snacks or anything else of that nature? Alcohol? I don't have a problem. Can you go two weeks? I could if I wanted to. I don't want to. You got, well, you got a problem up. That was higher. Okay, we already dealt with that one. Because it may be addiction, and we don't want to confess that. We don't want to deal with that. We don't want to admit that. We don't even, we've, we've talked ourselves out of it. Or it's a bad habit. And can you bring out control? You know, we always make, we've talked about this before, we always make fun of in the Old Testament, those crazy, foolish, pagan Ignorant people that worshiped idols. God, they were stupid. Can you believe that? Yeah, we do the same thing. It's called a TV. It's called Facebook. Can't go without it. Got to have it. 
Hold on, I had to. No, no, no. I got, I got to have it. I got to have it. What do you mean? It's so funny. I was reading an article this week about um, a smartphone. You can buy a fake smartphone now. It weighs the same and everything. It just doesn't work. Uh, but you can pay like $35 for this fake smartphone for people who have an addiction to their phone and can't be away from it. And so that's kind of how you start the process. So they'll put it by their bed or they just carry it around their pocket because if they don't have it, they literally will go into these panics. So now we're selling junk for you to put in your pocket and walk around with. Here's another one. So I'm reading about this other guy. He, he just won the couch potato contest. And I want to read this to you. I mean, this is, this is indicative of our culture. Uh, but what, he's been at, what he did to win, he watched 72 hours of television straight without stopping, without going to sleep. He had three bathroom breaks a day, had his food brought to him. He could get up every hour for one minute and stretch and then had to sit back down. But he could not, he could not bob his head. He could not close his eyes. If he closed his eyes, it's over, I mean, other than to blink. And so he does that, and so he wins $1,000, and then he wins a free uh, subscription to ESPN, whatever this thing is that you can get for life. And, and um, then he gets this big trophy of this big couch potato, which I'm sure his children will be real proud of one day. And, um, and then I'm reading, this, I'm reading this article, and I'm just thinking, are, are you serious? They're, they're interviewing his girlfriend after, and she's talking about him. Realize what he's just done. For 72 hours, he's watched TV straight, and he's won the award. He's, he's won. And this is what she says. He's so driven in everything that he does, gushed his girlfriend, explaining her boyfriend's giftedness. She said, most people have no idea what it takes to win. They don't understand the endurance it takes to stay awake and control your bodily issues. Jeff is just, he's just an expert, and he's just really committed himself. I'm so proud of him. Oh, Love to talk to your mother. Good night. Where are we as a culture where we talk about dedication to sit on a couch for three days and not get up? And I will hold my bodily functions. I can only go three times a day because I want this big trophy of a potato. <laughs> I, I, I think Jesus must look at us sometimes and just go, I. God, can we just go get them now? Let's just, this is not working. So, with Lent coming up, I challenge you. Here's my first challenge to you. Ask someone here, your family member, that'd be the first one, family member or friend or somebody that you know to say, which of these disciplines do you think it would be good for me to start practicing, for me to try? Just show them that. I mean, that's, you know, here we are in confession and being real. And maybe you've already said, you know, this is something I need, I need to do. What's something that you could say? You know, I, I want to prove that this is not an addiction, and I'm going to abstain from blank. And with Lent coming up, I'm giving you plenty of time to think, and I'm going to put these disciplines in its place. I'm going to put the first four disciplines. I'm going to do another discipline, whatever it is, and replace those bad habits or addictions with the discipline of the Spirit. If you will do that, it'll transform your heart if you would begin to do that consistently. Now, I know I shared this illustration not long ago, and some of you may think, he, you know, he's getting older. He's forgetting. He's telling the same stories again. Uh, I know I am. Okay, I know I'm telling the same story again, so I'm very aware of that. But I think it's very applicable here. It's the story of Herschel Walker, who uh, if you're older, you know who he was. Younger, younger kids, he was uh, one of the best athletes to ever come out of high school and ever come out of college. Number one draft pick. 
uh, coming out. Matter of fact, there was a new league that was started and uh, for pros when he came out. And he was the first person picked, uh, number one recruit in the nation coming out of high school and just a very, very gifted athlete. But what people don't know is when he was 11 years old, he didn't play any sports. He was overweight. Um, he had hardly any friends. He kind of stuttered a little bit when he would speak, very shy, and uh, really didn't do anything but occasionally read. And, um, but he was being picked on at school, and one day he was, Herschel was leaving school, and as he was leaving school, one of the kids started making fun of him, and some boy was kind of taunting him, and he said something to him, and that boy came over, and he beat Herschel up. And um, Herschel went home, and he got home later on, his mom and dad asked him what happened, he was beaten up, he was cut and bruised, and he was crying. He said, I don't want this to happen anymore. What, what can I do for people not to beat me up? And they said, well, Herschel, you need to get yourself in good shape and learn how to defend yourself. And they said, well, how can I do it? He said, well, I want you to go to your coach tomorrow, and I want you to ask him what you can do to get in the best shape possible and be in a position where you can defend yourself. And so Herschel said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. So he went to his coach the next day, and his coach said, I tell you what, Herschel, if you'll do this, if you'll do as many sit-ups as you can, as many push-ups you can, as many chin-ups. You have a, you have a tree out in your backyard? I do. Do as many chin-ups you can, and then I want you to run 10 100-yard sprints every morning. And then when you get home, I want you to uh, run as far as you can, uh, distance-wise, till you can't go anymore. And if you will do that every day, I promise you in a year, Herschel, nobody will beat you up. Nobody will pick on you, and you'll be in terrific shape. It'll transform your body, and you won't even be the same person. You won't have to worry about this anymore. So Herschel took that bet, and he took that advice, and he did. He began to do it every day, twice a day. Every morning, he'd get up. He'd do as many push-ups as he could, as many sit-ups as he could. He'd go out to the tree in the backyard. He'd do as many pull-ups as he could, and then he'd run, his, he'd run those sprints every day. Then he got home. He'd do the same thing over again, except this time he would, run, he would run long distance. And he did that every day. He didn't miss a day. By the time he's 15, he's starting as an athlete at his high school. He goes on his senior year. Every school in the country is recruiting him. Number one recruit goes on to play pro ball, plays pro football. Number one pick coming out of the draft, plays pro football for the Vikings, plays for the Cowboys, and plays for the Generals, which was a new expansion team back then and a new league. And it changed his life. He's still in shape. He's still doing it today. Started with an 11-year-old boy who didn't do anything. But he decided to take the discipline he decided to incorporate discipline in his life, good habits in life, and it transformed his life. Can I tell you what it would do for you if you began to practice these disciplines daily? A year from now, it would transform you spiritually. It's not going to be, again, you're not going to watch a video and go, oh, I'm better. You're not going to do it one time. Oh, I'm all better. You notice? No. It's like any workout that you do. Over time, you are being transformed spiritually. The question is, will you do it? Will you do it? Start with a journey. I ask you to go today and just write down, hey, here's what I want to see happen in my life. Here's what I'm going to commit to do. And if you need to commit to seven minutes, you know, there's a seven-minute workout that we sometimes do. I'm not committed to it, actually. But um, if you would start to do seven minutes, you'll start to see transformation. But otherwise, you're going to be sitting here a year from now, and you're going to go, I wonder if we should get a new church, because I feel about like I did before. I haven't listened to this guy. We didn't sing these songs. And I don't think I'm doing any better. Matter of fact, I think I'm doing a little worse. Again, think about the reality of anything in your life, physically, anything dietetically, anything of that nature. It's over time. You do the right thing. You practice the right habit. It'll transform you. Question is, 
Not can you, but will you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you that while we were still sinners, you died for us. And Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that you would draw them by the power of your Spirit. Today would be the day that they say, I want to know Jesus. Lord, let them know that it's not by practicing these habits that we're saved, but it's by the grace of God that you forgive us of our sins. And Lord, salvation is granted through Jesus. And that we work out this salvation through the spiritual habits, through the spiritual disciplines. We grow and we become more like you as we begin to practice them. Lord, I pray that today would be the day that men and women and boys and girls come to know you and that people who do know you take that step and say, I'm going to grow this year. I'm going to to pour into my spiritual life so that Christ can not only change me, but use me and transform me into his image. It's the purpose for which I have been created, to bring him worship and glory. Lord, let these habits start today in my life. In your name I pray, amen.